Welcome back, local citizens. I'm Florence Adu, your host for the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. This week, I'm again with Karishma Singh Kelsey. She is the founder and research head of Karishma Design, which is a multinational New Zealand-based design and fashion company. If you joined us last week, you heard a little bit about how, how she was inspired and how she came to be where she is. And now we'll move farther into the business of Karishma Design. So relax, unwind, and listen in. So being able to start your business and become integrated, tell us more about that process, like how moving so many places and being able to, as you said, penetrate the indigenous cultures. How did your business actually flourish? What were the things that you needed to do on a business level to be successful? I think that was a little bit of spiritual flow as well. It was always that. Okay. I, was, I, was, okay. I, I was guided. I mean, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I always yeah. Always something that guides me, like the meeting of Yana or the meeting of an mm-hmm. art group. It's almost like my nose guides me down something, and then I and then that mm-hmm. leads me where I need to be. Mm-hmm. That's the general premise, but in terms of the yeah. logistics and the legalities of the business, yes, there were times it was incredibly challenging. So not only was I, you know, an entrepreneur, I also was a single mom for a large part of my life. So my okay. son was with me. No, you know, in this in this big adventure called life. Okay, I was always a a South African brand, and we still are still are considered we're a New Zealand based company. So we registered. We've done. We did all the the sort of paperwork. Mm -hmm. But I think I have to say that that my attitude wasn't Mm -hmm. that I was building an empire or wasn't that I'm trying to build this business. It was about. I'm trying to make connections with people, to learn with people, to co-create with people, to build relationship, to build Ubuntu with people, and let's make something happen from that. So let's connect, and then let's create, and let's play, literally. I looked at my business as every project was a play. Let's play like this. Let's play with the Saratogas. Let's play with the Zen Kendo pants, which is another story as profound as the Saratoga story. So let's play. So let's connect. In Berlin, I my Kendo teacher connected with me. And and when I went to Okinawa, I got to meet the real Kendo master. And oh, wow. And, you know, I went to a class and he bestowed the name, which is the Chinese chop of Karishma design, which says free spirit. It was bestowed upon us. So we've got stories like that, that then in that play, in that desire to learn, desire to co-create something from, you know, in terms of a product, but it wasn't about the product. I will be very honest with you that it is only until very recently that I ever considered myself a business entrepreneur. Okay. I consider myself a social advocate of indigenous knowledge, like a person who brings together the knowledge and who spreads it to the world through these interwoven stories that we tell through cloth. And so how that operates as a business, because of part of the business model of Karishma Design was to develop and empower women in different communities. 
So I would go, example, in Taiwan, which was the first community. Again, led by my nose and by intuition, I would meet somebody who would know somebody who would know somebody else who would lead me to these women. And that's a student that I was teaching led me to her aunt, who was the group of women who led me then to this group of women who needed my help. And they didn't know. All they knew was that, oh, Karishma has a company and she's got these beautiful designs and she needs sewers and pattern makers and artisanal level seamstresses. And she wants to co-create with them. That's all they knew. And they came to me and said, look, we would love to help. And actually, and you know, we'd love to know more about what you do. And so it was almost like I was constantly being guided, mm-hmm. guided by something bigger than me. And so these women then shared their stories with me. And at the, during this time in Taiwan, I was also a fashion writer. So people okay. kind of knew who I was. And so they shared their stories with me. They shared their vulnerability with me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, okay, I'm going to help you. And it was one woman, actually. And this is how I'm going to help you. You are in a situation where you are a wife of a very wealthy family, but you have no rights this is how I'm going to empower you. So it was really my personal story as a single mom who left an abusive relationship that made that connection. And that mm. connection led to the first group in Taiwan of five women. Okay. Who, and so we built, and so I then built the business aspect. So I ta- showed them. The idea is that every group of people has a unique business model based okay. on what their needs were. So that's how right. I actually, if I look at every country from all the six countries, every mm-hmm. country has its own story. Taiwan, sure. they didn't need my financial capacity to set up the shop, to set up the manufacturing. They mm-hmm. needed the confidence. They needed the emotional opportunity. They needed the women's support. They mm-hmm. needed to feel worthy. They needed to know that they were enough. Okay. They needed to have a sense of pride. These women were, three women were on Ritalin for five years at that point. One chi- one lady had never been out of bed and seen the sunshine for two years because she was so depressed. So, and the reason they were depressed wasn't because they didn't have money or they didn't have food. It wasn't the story of Africa. It was because they had these rich husbands who were living in different countries And they were the daughter-in-laws and the wives of a family and lived in a joint family. And they were stuck in these loveless marriages because if they left, then their wealth would be taken away and their children would be taken away. So that's the reason when the children saw the power force of Karishma Kelsey, they were like, well, you've got to meet my mom, please. You've got to help. You've got to meet my mom. Wow. So that was the story. So each each country is its own story. Okay, got it. Got so, it. So from Taiwan, we put the first range up in 2003 on the 8th of December called the Soul Range. So because it was from the soul, mm-hmm. everything came from the soul. The Chinese chop, which is our name, means to be a free spirit. It means the soul. And that was bestowed upon us by our Chinese calligraphy teacher. Okay. The switch <laughs> of the K was bestowed upon us by the kendo teacher from Okinawa. And bringing together of the brand came together from him saying, my goodness, this is quite miraculous what you're doing with this kendo pant, Karishma. Kendo was traditionally an art only for men. And it's the art of the sword. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. women doing it, and you've changed the design of the kendo pant, yet you have not disrespected the origin of the kendo pant. My goodness, this is truly miraculous. And that's what he said in English. And then I told him the meaning of my name, which is miraculous. And he said, for this <sighs> reason, you will call your company Karishma. Your company will be called Karishma Design. Right, right. And this is the K. The yeah. K on the, bus- the, on the card is a slash of a sword. It's a yeah. warrior doing. And so that's the story of how it came into Taiwan. The name came into Taiwan. And that name brought with it the power that connected us to the ladies. The first show was a complete sellout. It was the first of its kind in Taiwan. It had been honored and opened by the ambassador of South Africa. Uh, We had many amazing guests, quite honorary guests. The the mayor, Taijong, the city we lived in, he visited as well. The show was completely magnanimous. It was amazing because it was this power of women and makers. It wasn't Karishma Kelsey or Karishma Singh at the time. Mm -hmm. Show it was all of our shows. It was okay. everyone. It was the models. It was the cooks. We created the recipes. We created every detail. We put every single thing to suit this theme, and we just got. And the women were so empowered. This the wearers. We sold the show. We sold the whole collection. Oh except, wow! Except the orange Saratoga which lives with your yellow Saratoga. And the only reason we didn't sell the orange Saratoga is because that is my grandmother's sari given to my mother. Oh. That was good to me and I wanted to keep it for always. Sure, sure, sure. The rest of the collection was gone on the night. And here, that success. Wow. And that's step one. And that success took us to Thailand. Which again, following our nose, you meet the right person. It was the principal of my school who said, look, I have this really lovely friend who does beautiful clothes. You know, he's a tailor. He's a guy. I know you don't like working with guys, but hey, do you want to meet him? (laughs) And so I met him who actually led me to the real person who I worked with, Sam, who is actually in October going to be 76 years old. Wow. And at that time, again, with the recession, with things getting really difficult, they were struggling. And so Mm -hmm. their story was different. Their story was that there's a fully set up space. There's this incredibly wise pattern maker and crafter who had worked for the Queen of Thailand back in the day. And Mm -hmm. he had this workshop of eight women, but they don't have enough work. Okay, got it. And so we went into that space and said, all right, because our Taiwan girls can't cope. So we're going to go into that space and you start working with us. But I don't own these spaces. I build them mm-hmm. based on what the needs are. Right. I equip them. I empower them. I set the processes. I set the operations. And they use my work as marketing for more work. Because sure. my intention is economic restoration. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel that if I walk in as a privileged white person from the outside, even though I'm not a white person, but I'm considered in Asia as an outsider. Sure. Then, yeah. But it's we we perpetuating that cycle of people from the West have it better than other people. And so therefore 
we need to aspire to be like them and in doing that lose our heritage and lose our traditions and create this homogenous crazy capitalistic society so my business model was purely to set up workshops owned by the people for the people and we will be a a customer exactly right but yes. the kind of customer we would be was very again very un usual to business practice and to business strategic management styles it mm-hmm. was more i literally set up the whole business system and uh, from how people would get paid when we will work how we will work and traditionally in fashion you got paid per garment per unit yes. you made right not mm-hmm. how we worked mm-hmm. we worked where you owned the garment you co-created if you we think the garment's going to be made in a certain way everyone was involved in the decision making in their specialization mhm the sewers were involved if i was using a thread and it was snapping all the time they would be like hey that's not working we listen yes so everyone right. took ownership the systems in terms of how people got paid so in thailand for instance the girls wanted a separate bank account so that they could save the money without their families knowing because they had to give their wages to their families. Mhm. So it looked like I still paid them the norm. Sure. But we But then they had their yes. their own. Yes, their own. So every country has its own unique way. And so if you ask me how did I develop the business? I developed the first rule of thumb to travel was I don't own but it yeah. wasn't about the fact it was really weird because it sounds like oh you did that selfishly because you wanted to travel but it wasn't it was the opposite way it was me wanting to help them and then that in turn helped me and that's how the philosophy got built right right so it goes back to your upbringing and yeah. the pay it forward so it it all yeah, yeah. it all it kind of always other. worked in that in that way and that yeah. you know that's the story that we can then take to many different countries sure yeah. in that sure yeah. sure sure so how have you kept grounded in new zealand because you've been there now for it sounds like the longest that you've been in any yeah. country yeah. so how have you kept yourself grounded professionally there that was a hard one that was this is a hard country in this way mm-hmm. this was a, because this country i mean the beauty of how i worked until i came to new zealand was my connection my physicality being with the people i mean i was in thailand once every 4 5 weeks yes so it was the connections with the people and the friendships with the people and the relationship building with the people and the fact that the girls trusted me and they knew me and i was a sister you mm-hmm. know and so when i moved to new zealand i had to figure out a whole new way of working because when we it was difficult i i couldn't actually work with the south african girls that we developed a co-op in South Africa as well in 2008 so we I couldn't work quite with them because they weren't ready to be online it was far away and it, the logistics was difficult so in the beginning it was that all of us was before the access of everyone having a smartphone it was just a few years before okay right when we, when we first got here right and so that was very very hard so how i keep grounded i mean i because i'm an educator I guess the education part keeps me very very grounded. Sure. Um, I started to work for the Tertiary University of Technology in New Zealand called Fitterea okay. uh, as a lecturer of business of applied business and entrepreneurship. 
And so that's one of the things that kind of brought me back because when we moved to New Zealand, I knew that I was not going to be able to very easily connect with all of these people, not because I didn't want to, not Mm -hmm. because the different co-ops were feeling that they had still wanted me to be present more often. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. At that time. Yeah. And so that was just way too far-fetched from their cultural way of working Mm -hmm. to work so far away away, in the manner that we had worked. So I had to rethink Karishma design. I had to rethink my whole strategy, my whole life. And thankfully I had teaching because Mm -hmm. teaching enables me to inspire students and to build leaders. So my work that I do, remember my drive, my purpose is impact. My purpose is is equality, the actual providing of equal opportunity. That's my point of everything that I've done. That's my Mm -hmm. point of being a teacher in schools in these areas that I then ran my businesses in. And coming to New Zealand, the fact that I could be a teacher or a, a lecturer, university professor, working with students. And I work largely with multicultural students in New Zealand. So that's beauty. That was the highlight. That was the best thing. Because I went to school every day and I felt like I was in Asia or I felt like I was in the Pacific. Sure. That helped keep me that grounded. And then the other thing that I guess helped me in New Zealand, whilst production and everything else needed to be rethought of, the ease of doing business in New Zealand, the trust right. in the systems in New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So that's a legal aspect was completely easy. And I, in one day I opened a business and opened a bank account and nobody asked me anything. I was in. Mm. So that was the easy, the hard part. And the part that I struggled with was the fact that I felt so far away from all of the people that I needed to be with. Mm. And I felt needed me, Mm -hmm. but I would phone them and I would talk to them and they were like, look, you've got to do the things you've got to do. And there was this weird faith because this is a part of the world that relies on faith. The parts of the world I worked in relied on faith. Mm -hmm. And they would say to me, look, Karishma, don't worry about it. We don't need to make clothes right now. Don't worry about it. It's okay. We don't need to do that. We, you, Kesh needs So my son, Keshav, he needs to graduate from uni. He needs to finish school. And you're still doing dharma. You're still doing good. You're still doing dharmic. Your work is still dharmic because you're going to school every day and you're teaching. So we okay right now. We okay right now. So that was what helped ground me, was the hope that now I just needed to do this and the next step will come. And surely it will. We met the Sri Lankan team and we built Sri Lanka. So we built the workshop in Sri Lanka. Okay. And yeah, and that was again through a student who looked at all the work that I'd done and looked at the profile of his of his international marketing and digital business lecturer and mm-hmm. went, hmm, you're pretty awesome. Do you know, I'm from Sri Lanka and, <laughs> and, and I worked in this industry. And actually, yeah, would you be interested in doing some work in a community that I may know some people because there's a lot of these problems and they were explaining to me in their assignments, their problems. Again, connection. My sure. key thing is I may be your teacher, but that's because I know something more than you in this point. So God. you go with me. So my way is about creating a sense of belonging and having that natural 
need to connect with people on an authentic spiritual level, which then leads me to the projects I need to do. Got it. So this is a great transition into my next question, which is our mindset hack question or segment. So I like to ask, what is your favorite or an innovative mindset hack? So this is something that you can imagine or something that you actually practice or something that you know of. Hmm. Well, I meditate. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> High five on that. That's what I do. I definitely I <laughs> and I do yoga. Yes. And, and I get on the mat and I write, I do a stream of consciousness writing from the, so much. The thing that saved me in my 20s from an abusive marriage was the artist's way in the year 2000. And I had the grand privilege of doing the artist's way in 1999 in Cape Town. And uh-huh. it forever changed my life. Okay. And so that's a book. It's a book. It's a series. Yes. It's a workshop. And the, yes. the creator is Julia Cameron. She's now an incredibly yes. old lady who's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And she has two things. Number one, and it's about unblocking your creativity. And number one is doing longhand morning pages, student mm-hmm. consciousness writing. I have books upon books upon books upon books. Yeah. Because I write every morning, come hell or high water, no coffee, no lunch, get up. Hair, right. no makeup doesn't matter. Wake up, write, and then go. Yes. No matter what. The book is in my bag with me at all times. It's my sanity. It's my grounding. It's my mindful practice. It's my... It's your companion. It it's my companion. Like, it's the yeah. ability to be. It's when I get in my head and use mm-hmm. practice of a lot of head work. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult. It was the most difficult part of our journey. The writing helps me through everything and the meditating. And I just get in the meditation process of writing and my yogic practice, I become present. And then I get reminded there's no comparison. That the concept of natural intelligence and of everyone being unique and everyone having a purpose sort of comes back to me. So whenever I get out of that, I got to start writing. I, gotta start there you writing. Go. I just got to be present. Okay. That's a great one. That's another great one, Gems. So we're (laughs) at the close of our conversation. This has been so fun and so insightful. You, I really love the way that your path has brought you full circle in this giving circle and this gratitude circle and this mindfulness. All of these things are very visible. And I'm looking at the wall behind you and the art and the vibrancy in your spirit. I can see it. I can feel it. So do you have any closing words for now for our listeners? Well, I guess my closing sentiment, when I grew up, when I was growing up, my I had this silly like, kind of phrase that I used to say that anything can be everything and everything can be anything. Like it went both ways. Anything is everything. Yes. And I guess all the governing systems that we really have been able to see the nastiness of in this pandemic were systems made by man. And so guess what? Anything can be everything. So all we need is an imagination to reimagine and redesign and be great enough to do them and to just, we don't have to be perfect. Perfection is absolutely a fallacy. I was, I'm a, I'm a a recovering perfectionist. Okay. (laughs) And I can say that, that it's a fallacy. And it's what blocks us. It's what keeps us operated. Comparison is also not necessary. 
because we are each unique divine humans. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I am doing this through fashion. You may be doing it through making these podcasts. Somebody else listening on this may be a teacher and somebody else may be making food bags. Right. Whatever is your journey, if it is your authentic truth, just follow that authentic truth. All you need is one step and the next yeah. step and we'll yeah. unfold. Yes. And that's how we can change the systems at play right now. That's how we can regenerate mm-hmm. by being our best, most authentic selves. So Consistently. Yeah, and consistently, because I think I think we have these flashing thoughts, and and they are I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then we fall off. And without consistency, none of that, none of that. So you having that saying means that this was something that was consistent in your mind and in your life and your your application in life. So consistently thinking everything is anything and anything is everything. That is a mantra, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Just being brave, just showing up. And it doesn't mean, to show up doesn't mean, I have to remind people, and I remind myself this in in saying it, is there is no need to compare. That concept of there is not enough of something in the world which Mm -hmm. drives our scarcity, which drives our greed, which drives our sense of lack and inadequacy and unworthiness is actually an absolute big fat lie. Exactly. It is. It is. Thank you for that. It is. It, it is. There is enough. Yeah, there's enough for us all. Finish. And each of us are unique. And that's yeah. the point. That's the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, those are great words to to end our conversation. This has been so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, Glocal Citizens, this has been another episode of the podcast that inspires, especially today, I hope, that you were really inspired by to cultivate a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. Because my guest, Karishma, she is, again, a poster child for Glocal Citizenship by moving and shaking and shaping across the globe. So, we have new episodes every Tuesday. You can catch us at www.glocalcitizenspod.com. Dot com and wherever you get your podcast, Our show notes will have specific information on Karishma. But Karishma, before we go, do you want to give us your Twitter handles, your your Facebook, all of your ways that we can reach you? So my Instagram handle is Karishma Design. In fact, all my social media handles are the same because Perfect. we got all. It's okay. all Karishma Design. And then the new project I'm working on, which is about spiritual connection through clothing and style mm. called the Miraculous Me Movement. And you can find that on Instagram on miraculous underscore me underscore movement. M-O-B. We didn't even touch on that. We're going to have to have you back. I love that. Yeah. I'll the book that I'm working on. That's oh, yeah. okay. Good. So we have a good conversation in the making. Yay. Okay. So, so yes. Yeah, so you know where to find Karishma. You know where to find us. And uh, again, we're on localcitizenspod.com as well as pretty much everywhere you find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, everywhere you find podcasts. So please do tune in next time. And until then, bye for now. Bye.